that I may not praise you with my lips, but I will, but I will praise you with my heart. I pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, today we're going to continue with our B-Field series. This is the fourth B-Field series that we're going to talk about. Uh, the first two was just what it means to be filled. The second, uh, sanctification. And as of right now, the fourth one will be a spirit-filled family. Um, in today's society, the meaning of family has changed drastically. Uh, in the month of June 2015, the Supreme Court ruled that same-sex marriages are a constitutional right for every American. This ruling requires all states to issue marriage license to every American. Concerning this law, the Supreme Court Justice Kennedy said, No union is more profound than marriage, for it embodies the highest ideals of love, fidelity, devotion, sacrifice, and Family. The words of Justice and Kennedy imply that love between two people, despite if those two people are heterosexual or homosexual, can constitute a marriage as long as those two people love each other. After the Supreme Court rule on what they deem as marriage equality, the White House. tweeted, love is love, to echo the ruling that was made. Ask yourself, what defines a family? What defines a family? Is it love? If it is love, let us test this theory. Same-sex couples believe that their version of love is what defines a family. A polygamous family, like the polygamous family on the TV sitcom Sister Wives, would argue that their version of love is what defines a family. What about a man and a woman who, is, who are not married, living in the same home, sleeping in the same bed, procreating which brings children into this world? Does their version of love define a family? What if a man desired to marry his goat? That may sound facetious, but it actually happened in Florida. Because he is in love with the animal. Would, that, would the world tell him that his version of love is wrong? What if relatives of the same family desire to have incestual relationship with each other? Is their version of love would be wrong? Which versions do you think defines a family? 
People say, love wins. As the world simply put it. But the problem with this worldview is that it is inclusive to other competing worldviews. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. All that I have mentioned has happened in this world and the word of God emphatically communicates that homosexuality, polygamy, fornication, cohabitation, bestiality, and incest is wrong and sinful. The point is this. The world system would lead you to believe that any version of love is what defines a family. The leading thought in our society says, you can love whatever you want with whomever you want. The problem with this worldview is that you cannot love whatever you want or whomever you want. Love is not love. Love does not win according to how the, lo- the world views love. Scripture says, do not love the world or the things of the, lo- the world. If the love of the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, as First John 2.15 puts it. Nonetheless, if we adopt the love of this world, we do have a marred conditional and limited type of love that is not of God. For many professing uh, professing so-called Christians have adopted this belief that it is okay to sin at any given moment as long as you can repent later. That is not how the Bible views it. And if we have adopted this worldview, we have adopted the love the worldview which the world views love. This belief is not a reflection of Christ. As body of believers, I'm sure that our speech should be seasoned with salt and uh, gentle with our words as we call people out of their sins. Now, I have just told you how the world views or the world defines a family, which is based on faulty love. Let us conduct a biblical survey of different families in the Bible that will show us how the world still views love and family. Let's begin. In Genesis 4, there is brotherly love between Cain and Abel. However, Cain murdered his brother, Abel, because he had jealous hatred towards his brother. The Apostle John wrote about Cain, saying, Cain, who was of the evil one, murdered his brother. And why? And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. 
Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Whoever does not love abides in death. 1 John chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. And the family of Noah, his son Ham, looked upon the nakedness of his father, Noah, because he thought it was amusing to see. And the family of Abraham, his wife Sarah, pestered Abraham to the point where he abandons his firstborn son, Esau. This is happening today. Parents are divorcing, splitting up families. Mom and dad, mom or dad, marries another individual, leaving the parent, leaving the kids to be with the stepdad or stepmom. And in some cases, stepdad or stepmom don't want to have any relationship with their stepkids. In the family of Lot, his two daughters plotted against their father so that they can get him drunk on wine. Lot was fully intoxicated to the point where he was not aware that he had a sexual relationship with his daughters. Both daughters bore a son. And out of that incestual relationship, Lot became their father. That's how we have the Ammonites tribe in the Bible. If you ever thought that your family is the most dysfunctional family in the world, you are mistaken. One of the most dysfunctional family that is highlighted in the Bible... It's the family of David. He was not a faithful husband to his wife or wives. David was an absentee father, a deadbeat dad. His love for his children caused him to be blinded from their wrongdoings. When his children committed a heinous crime, he did not discipline them. That's like parents who think that their child can do no wrong. David's failure of not disciplining his children caused him pain, stress, discomfort, and the death of a child. When David heard the news that his oldest son, Amnon, raped his half-sister Tamar, David's daughter, David, did nothing. David almost lost his position as king when his oldest son, Absalom, persecuted him and tried to overthrow the the, uh, kingdom that God has given to David. Some of you may be thinking to yourself, well, by saying, Pastor Travis, you're telling me some valuable stories that has nothing to do with current times, that has nothing to do with families in modern day era. Um, that's an incorrect thought. In my opinion today, uh, families are worse than they were during the Bible times. Families today are worse or at least the same compared to the families in biblical times. Today we hear tragic stories concerning 
families across the United States and the world. For example, a month ago, a Texas mother, Christy Sheets, planned a so-called family meeting with her two daughters and husband. This meeting turned into violence. She shot and killed her two daughters and wounded her husband. A couple of days ago, an Akron man was sentenced to prison for murdering his girlfriend. His deceased girlfriend was the mother of his four kids. Here is my point. The world has no clue what it means to be a family. And the world definitely do not know how God defines a spirit-filled family. So what is a spirit-filled family? A spirit-filled family is classified by love, yes, but not any type of love. Unlike how the world understands love. A spirit-filled family is identified by agape love, which is unconditional, unfailing, and most importantly, submissive. In other words, a spirit-filled family is characterized by unconditional love of submission. Love of submission should reflect the characteristic of the Holy Spirit. It's the watermark. It should be the watermark for every Christian home. This leads us to our passage of Scripture. Uh, turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 33, and we will read to chapter 6 through 1 through 4. there just say amen Uh, I'll wait a couple more seconds so I can hear everyone amen amen All right. starting in verse 18 it says and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the spirit Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with, the, with your heart. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 22. Wives. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Verse 25. Husbands. 
Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instructions of the Lord. Take notice in verse 18. Paul tells us to be filled with the Spirit. Then he uses the word submit in verse 21. In order for us to have a spirit-filled family, it is imperative for us to submit to God. If your family is not submitting to God, then your family may not be a spirit-filled family, but a worldly family. If this is not... If this is not the case for your family, or is the case for your family, do not be surprised if your son or daughter is not interested in godly things. Or they desire to live a sinful lifestyle. Do not be surprised if Uncle Ray Ray, Cousin Stephen, Mother Sally, and Brother Joe are the crazy relatives that you try to avoid at family reunions. <laughs> the word submit in verse 21 is the key to the remaining verses in this chapter that includes in chapter 6 as well. The Greek dictionary defined the word submit in two ways. One, be obedient by obeying And two, be brought under control. Now let's apply these terms to our own lives. Ask yourself, have you and I been obedient to God throughout this week? By the power of the Holy Spirit, have you brought yourself under control Have you put the deeds of your body to death? Most likely, the answer would be no for many of us, including myself. To be filled is to 
surrender every facet of your life to God if you desire to be spirit-filled. That includes your money, your material possessions, your time, your gifts and abilities, and your family. Therefore, Paul is encouraging Christians to submit to God so that they can submit to one another. Wives submitting to their husbands, husbands submitting to their wives, children submitting to their parents or parents. This is why love is not the only characteristic that should mark a family, especially a spirit-filled family. It takes more than love to have a spirit-filled family. Love cannot pay your bills. Love does not put food on your table. Love does not wash your car or cut the grass. Love does not clean the dishes. That, for example, when Crystal asked me, excuse me, when Crystal asked me to go wash the dishes, sometimes I want to tell her, wash the dishes yourself. That doesn't mean that I don't love her. (laughs) But what it does mean is that I'm not submitting my love to her. This is true for every family. When you ask your spouse or your kids or grandkids to go do something for you, the first thing that they will do is, is give you an excuse and grumble about it. Or tell you why they cannot do it. Our families have to be identified not by love alone, but also by submission. We should, our families should be branded by love of submission. And that's what a spirit filled family is. In verses uh, 22 through 24, Paul tells the wife to be submissive to her own husband. He states that the husband is the head, the authoritative figure within the household, within the marriage and family. This means the wife and children are brought under control by the husband. Or the wife and children will obey the husband and be obedient to the head's authority in the household. Paul is not saying that the wife is not equal to the husband, but he is saying that the roles between the wife and the husband are different. The wife along with the kids, are subordinate to the husband. This is how God designed the chain of command of the family structure. As scripture says, the head of every man is Christ, the head 
of the wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. We see this subordination within the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are co-equals in essence, but subordinate in roles. That is to say, God the Father is not greater than God the Son nor the Holy Spirit. But God the Son is submissive to God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit is submissive to God the Son and God the Father. And Jesus said it himself. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord. But only what the fa- what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. A wife who delights in godly submission towards her own husband is a precious, precious jewel. A submissive wife is the crown of her husband. She is a wife that is filled with godly wisdom and not wisdom of the world. A submissive wife places her family needs before her own by taking care of her household. Because a submissive wife understands that she is not submissive just to please her husband or her kids. But she is submissive because she desires to please the Lord. Jesus Christ. A submissive wife would say, I am submissive to my husband and family because I am submissive to the Lord God. Ladies, is submission is one of your characteristic traits that you possess? A wife who submissive towards her own husband is more beautiful than any other woman uh, who is not submissive. Uh, scripture says, charm is deceitful and beauty is what? Vain. When we grow older, we will not look the same. The more that we age, the more that our beauty fades away. But the splendor of submission would never change and it would never fade. Godly submission is more beautiful than outward appearance. Females can be more attractive on the outside but still lack godly attribute that make them so ugly and unpleasing on the inside. A lot of families Desire to change the appearance, well, a lot of females, not families, desire to change the outward appearance by uh, getting plastic surgery so that they can become more attractive. And this is how the world views it. The more beautiful that you become, the more splendor to the eye the world sees you. But that's not how God views it. It is totally, it's totally opposite, contrary to what the world says. 
For example, turn to First Peter chapter three, verse three through five. Will you there just say amen? That's like three or four again. It says, do not let adoring be external. The braiding of the hair and putting on gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of gentle and quiet spirit. Which is which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy woman who hope in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. Furthermore, if you're a wife or who is married to an unsaved husband, I encourage you to, be, to continue to be submissive towards your husband. Because your submissiveness can lead to your husband's salvation. Uh, Peter said it best, wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if they do not obey the word of God, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct. That's first Peter chapter three, verse one through two. Ladies, your submissiveness represents how the church is submissive towards Christ. God is using the church, the bride of Christ, to share the gospel to the unsaved so that they can come, so that they can repent, come to faith, and receive salvation. This is why Paul said, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives, you should submit in everything to your own husbands. Your submissiveness have great power that can be used by the Holy Spirit. Again, ladies, is submissive is submission one of your characteristics that you possess? Or do you have a type of submission that comes from the world? Uh, the word, the worldview of submission can be summed up into two words. Feminism and independence. <laughs> I think the R.B. singing group Destiny Child illustrate my point. Their song that was titled Independent goes like this. The shoes on my feet, I bought it. The clothes I am wearing, I bought it. The rock I am rocking, I bought it. Because I depend on me. The watch I am wearing, I bought it. The house I am living in, I bought it. The car that I'm driving, I bought it. I depend on me. I depend on me. All the women who are independent, throw your hands up at me. Again. (laughs) 
a woman who, who understands godly submission would not say that. But what she will say, I am not, I do not want to be dependent, but I do want to be submissive. Now, let's digress a little bit. In verses, let's look at verses 25 through 33. In verses 25 through 33, Paul talks to the husband. Paul continue, continues to demonstrate the role of submission for the husband. People, if you're not there, I'm talking about Ephesians chapter 25, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 33. People think that that it is only the woman who have to be submissive in the relationship. This type of thinking is wrong. God commands the husband to be submissive towards his wife by loving her unconditionally. In verse, in verses 25 through 33, Paul uses the word love five times. The word love is translated from the Greek word agapeo, which means to demonstrate love, to take pleasure in loving someone, and to be content in loving that person. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I tease Crystal by saying to her, Submit, you woman! She would roll her eyes and look at me and say, Then love me, you man! By loving your spouse can lead, as I mentioned, to their salvation. Um, I'm going to bring that point back out. And the reason I want to is turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14 through 16. First Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 14 through 16. Here Paul is telling the believer to not divorce his unbelieving spouse who does not believe in the Lord. As I have mentioned, if you are married to an unbelieving spouse or if your spouse is unsafe, I can encourage you not to divorce each other. Because who knows that, well, how do you know that your conduct husbands or wives, may lead to their salvation. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14 through 16, it says this, For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise your children will be unclean, 
but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For you do not know, wife, whether you will save your husband, or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife. See, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I want to share our personal testimony of me and Crystal. The Lord saw two sinners living together, having sex outside of marriage. He drew me to the Lord, then started drawing Crystal to the Lord. After he drawn both of us to the Lord, he convicted us of our sins. And with that, he saved both of us in our marriage. This is why this particular text is personal. It resonates heavily with Crystal and I. Some of you may have the same type of testimony or know someone. Because I never knew that the Lord will save both sinners by conjoining them in marriage. I didn't know that. But he did. That is why Paul is telling us to love our wives unconditionally. Now, uh, Chris and I are on a path of sanctification. Um, and you can turn back to Ephesians chapter uh, 5. We are on a path of sanctification because I tell you, she gets on my nerves as much as I get on hers. And you see in verses 26 through 27, this is what I mean by the path of sanctification. The path of sanctification is a maturing process, not only as the husband, for the husband, but also for the wife and children. We are sanctifying, being sanctified by God as children of God. This is why I think Paul is also saying in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 27, just like the wife represents the church, the bride of Christ, the husband represents Jesus. Paul is saying, husbands, love your wife just as much as Christ loved the church. That he gave himself up for her. That he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water. We see this washing in verse 26. It says that, it might, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. This is the sanctification within marriage. The frictions that you may be having in your marriage is normal. That is, it's not abnormal, it's normal. And it's a good thing. 
Because God understand and knew for all eternity that the sins of a wife and the sins of a husband would bring out their own sanctification in marriage. That he may sanctify her. I think last week Mel, uh, Melvin preached last Sunday, his sermon is titled Living in the Spirit, Wash, Rinse, and Repeat. <laughs> the point that he made covering washing is that washing illustrates to us the power of the Word of God. Well, that will cleanse you from the filthiness of our sins. And Paul is saying the same thing here in verse 25 through 27. That the church get filthy and polluted by sin, so Christ himself has to wash her down repeatedly. The church is nonsense. Always a beautiful bride for him. But Christ does not stop there. He doesn't just throw in the towel. He continues to love her by being submissive to her. Washing her. Come here, honey. Come here, sweetheart. Let me get this dirt out of your eyes. Let me, let me help you see me more clearly. So, this is what Paul is saying. This is how the husband ought to submit to his wife and family by loving them and guiding them as Christ Jesus guides the church. Just as much Jesus is a prophet, priest, a brother and sister, he was submissive to his family and mother, submissive to his father, not Joseph, but his heavenly father and his stepfather, Joseph. That is how us as husbands should be submissive to our wives, our wife and kids. We should be submissive in that same manner. You know, I am sure there are times, as I've mentioned, that things become difficult within your marriage. The Bible says it is better to live in a corner of a household than to share a house with a nagging wife. It gets to the point where the husband is not loving his wife, so he is no longer submissive as Christ loves the church. And, or... The wife has to nag to the husband because she is not receiving that submissive, uh, submission of love from the husband. So she is trying to communicate her feelings, her thoughts, and her emotions to her husband. Like, hey, I need some love from you. Yeah. 
And in turn, the husband thinks she's just snagging. Oh boy. Have a cold. Um, also, I, I, I have heard a story about the devil walking into the church. The devil approached a husband and said, Are you not afraid of me? The husband said, No, I am not. The devil said, Why? The husband said, Because I've been married to your sister for 40 years. <laughs> Forgive me, I'm sorry. I think that your jokes are a good point, and it is this. If there is friction within the marriage, that's okay. Allow the friction to happen. Allow the arguments to continue. But most importantly, allow the love of submission to flourish. Listen, I don't love my wife just because I love her. I love my wife because Christ Jesus loves her. And if I am submissive to Christ Jesus, then I am submissive to my wife by giving her unconditional love. I should be like I am willing to forsake all that I am for the sake of her sanctification and her being a child of God. This is what Christ showed us. He showed us by willingly submitting himself to the church, us, that he will die for undeserving sinners like us. To be hung on the cross and to be crucified. A punishment that he did not deserve, but willingly offer himself up to be punished for the church. So as I said, wives, if your husband tells you to submit, you say, sure. You tell that joker to love you. Unconditionally. And that includes myself. Lastly, uh, children submitting to their parents. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. I will read it over again to jog your memory. It says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and in instructions of the Lord. For the sake of time, I'm going to make several points and I'm going to come to a close. When I used to work at Western Academy back in Georgia, I used to drive there and um, it was a therapeutic boarding school. I enjoy working with the kids. I, uh, I desire to do that and I don't mind doing it now. 
But what struck me is how unruly the kids were. How unruly they were. And the philosophy of that particular organization was, well, they're kids. They can do whatever they want. They can uh, run around. And if you try to discipline, then just talk to them softly and nicely and try to correct them. That didn't really fly with me. You know, in my mind, I'm saying to myself, these kids need a lot of theology. And I'm willing to teach it. Because what I learned from that experience is that children do not like authority. Even to now. I talk to my mom. Travis, do this. No! I don't want to. I'm grown. (laughs) But even to little kids right now. But for a child... Their role is to be submissive towards their parents, to respect their authority that the parents have over them. This is very important. Because the wife and mother, I mean the wife and mother, the wife and husband, is reflecting God's authority. If the child or children is not obeying the parents' decisions, or authority, ultimately they're not obeying what God has commanded. Nor respecting His authority. And I think there's a balance in between in the two. There's a difference between abusing the authority that you have over your child to rightly Discipline your kids. Turn to uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 10. It says in verse 10, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 10, Hear, my son, and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. This is saying that as long as your child is listening to their parents' voice, God will bless them. This is the first command, one of the commandments in the Ten Commandments. Honor thy father and thy mother that your days may be long. Because God takes this serious. So, let me give you a couple of keys. Uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 23, verse 13, quickly. Twenty-three, verse 13. You can write this down, put it on your uh, refrigerator, or put it, just broadcast it all over the rooms of your kids. It says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 13, 
Do not withhold discipline from, your, from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he would not die. And that's true. When you are disciplining your children, you're acting as that authoritative figure within the household. So if you're a single mom or, or a single dad, you're still representing God. God will judge all parents on how they discipline their kids. And in turn, the benefit of that is when the kids are older, they will see how much love the parents have shown them by disciplining them. I remember when I was, I think, 13, 14, I don't know. I was hanging out with a couple of knuckleheads. We had a bright idea was to go smoke in the car. Uh, smoke some cigarettes. So I said, cool, whatever. Spent like two or three hours in the car just smoking cigarettes. Went back home. I said, hey, mom. She said, hi. I said, okay, I'm going to my room. She said, come here. Okay. I ease up a little bit closer to her. She said, come closer. And she whipped my tail. And after that, I never picked up another cigarette. (laughs) Not only that, the Lord would bless a child who respects the authority figure in the household. You know, when he gave that commandment to the kids that your days may be live long, he is not lying. Uh, when I was doing my interim pastorship uh, back in Tacoma Falls, Georgia, the church that I was serving there, the elders are around 90 years old. 80 to 90 years old. One of the elders' father just had a birthday, and he lived to see 101. So, let's move forward. Some of you, I'm aware of that you're not married, so you're a single man or a woman. So you may be saying to yourself, well, how can I be submissive? This goes back to what Paul said. Wives, be submissive to your own husband. But if you don't have a husband, who is your husband then? The Lord. It is the Lord. Paul encouraged the Corinthian church not to marry, although that was his own opinion, because he understood that a husband's devotion is split between serving the Lord and serving his wife, but a single man or woman, devotion is not split, for the lack of better words. That individual can serve the Lord. So as we come to a close, I want to leave you with a poem. It says, How God must love a friendly home, which has a warmy smell, to welcome everyone to come, to bid a little while. How God must love a happy home where song and laughter show. Hearts full of joyous certainty that life means way to grow. How God must love a loyal home, serenely sound and sure, 
When trouble comes to those within, they still feel secure. How God must love a Christian home where faith and love attests that every moment, every hour, that Christian home is submitting to thy honor guests. Ask yourself, do you have a spirit-filled family? Are you submitting to your husband? Husband, are you submitting to your wife? Kids, are you submitting to your parents? Let us pray. Our Father, I pray for myself, along with your precious sheep, that you will fill us up and continue to teach us what it means to have a spirit-filled family. That when the world sees our family, they will marvel at it and wonder how marvelous it is to be a part of